0: I just know from a little boy falling in love with this game to
1: where I am now and this love has grown further, uh, I've put a lot into it um, and I've got a lot more to give. Um, So with that being said, never had any doubt that I wouldn't be here, that
0: this deal wouldn't get done and be right for the both of us and be right, as I said, for the organization and everybody invested. Um, So I'm just thankful.
1: That's Dak Prescott from earlier today. He never had any doubt that a deal would get done with the Cowboys. He's the only one who didn't have doubt. They pushed it to the absolute limit. And Shereen, he waited and waited and waited and waited and almost pushed it to the point where the Cowboys didn't give him the kind of offer that would have caused a long-term deal to be done and instead would have started the clock in motion toward his final season potentially with the Cowboys. So it's easy to say... Now that it's done, that he never had any doubt that it would get done, he should have had doubt that it would get done. And that's because he was as firm, as determined, and as relentless with Jerry Jones as Jerry Jones would be with someone else. That's where Dak won. He never blinked, he never gave in, and he got the contract, and now it's official, four years, $160 million. Celebration for Dak Prescott. Questions, though, for the Cowboys going forward with that much money soaked into one player.
2: Yeah, no question, Mike. And, and they also talked about all the money they have invested in the offensive line, at receiver, at running back, a lot on the offensive side. And really, Dane Quinn's going to have to build on that defensive side with what he can get. Uh, frankly, because they're not going to spend big money over there aside from what they've already spent on DeMarcus Lawrence. But, you know, I I was interested in, in what Jerry was going to say about this being the hardest negotiation he's ever done because I think we all believe that because Dak stuck to his guns and said... I'm not going to be talked into this by Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones. I'm not. I'm not going to be talked into it. I'm going to wait. I'm going to trust my agent, and he did that. He did that last year, and he got a great deal. We've all said that. But Jerry just talked in circles when he was asked about this being the hardest negotiation he had ever done. So we really didn't get the answer we wanted out of him. But at some point, I'd like to ask him more about that, about this being such a hard negotiation. Because I guarantee you, Mike... The Cowboys never thought it would go this long. It's been over two years now.
1: So basically, Jerry answered that question the same way he'd answer pretty much any other question. Talking in circles, talking about circumcising mosquitoes. And fortunately today, not getting into any barnyard activities (laughs) that would be illegal in many jurisdictions. Uh, they, they they definitely did blow this and they misread the room and I know for a fact that they were astounded by the resolve that Dak and his agent had and this gets back to something that we've said the past two days as it relates to other quarterbacks who are going to be in a similar situation you need to have an agent who will keep you from pouncing on an amount that seems like it's sufficient when in fact it's not when you have other friends family members teammates other people, other agents who are trying to drive a wedge between you and your agent, and that happens all the time, saying, what are you thinking? What are you doing? You should take that deal. You know, there were other agents last year when Dak suffered the broken ankle who were basically gleeful that Todd France hadn't done a long-term deal because it's like, see, you should have done the long-term deal. Well, who's got the last laugh now? Even with the broken ankle, four years, $160 million, and no protections, no issues, no limitations that would keep Dak from getting that money if the ankle was still a problem. He said today the ankle will be fine. He'll be good to go. And surely, we were talking about Dr. Cooper yesterday in his cowboy hat. He's taking a close look at this ankle. Every other doctor down there is taking a look at the ankle and come to the conclusion that it's fine or they wouldn't have done this deal.
2: Yeah, he had a great quote, Mike, about being ready to jump up on the stage and and jog and said, I don't think you guys were ready that, for that, but he was ready for that. So he does think it's healed. Now, you know, asked for a timetable when he'd be 100%. He didn't allow that. He said, the one thing I was gonna, not going to do from the start is set a timetable on this, when I'm going to get back. But when it, when it's time to be ready, I'll be ready. And he also talked about, Mike, taking a lot of inspiration from Alex Smith. He said, Alex Smith went through the same thing, only worse and he talked to Alex Smith and really took inspiration uh, from Alex Smith. So, you know, he learned something from Alex Smith and came back and, and has gone through his rehab. And by all accounts, he's doing fine in that and uh, had the cleanup surgery in December and should be back to healthy. Maybe not for an off season program, if they have any sort of off season program, but at least by training camp, he should be back and good for the Cowboys, Mike.
1: Let's hear directly from Dak Prescott himself regarding current status of that ankle as he works his way back to
0: 100%. I'm ready and I'm getting close.
1: Uh, I feel good. You saw me walk out here. I can do a lot of things that, um, that I obviously couldn't do weeks ago and even days ago that I'm doing today. Uh, so it's hard to say that, I, that I'll be ready in this time or that time, but I'll be ready when it matters and I'll be more than, more than healthy and better than I was before. Amazing to think that that investment was made without knowing with certainty, with 100% certainty, that he'll be good to go. But that's that's the risk they're taking, and it's a huge financial gamble, but it's a gamble. And and I also saw that Dak resented the fact that people basically suggested he bet on himself, he gambled on himself. Right. Well, he did. He did. Let's not start, start developing alternate facts on what happened here. He did bet on himself. He did reject the offers that the Cowboys put on the table and went with less money and a one-year deal last year. He could have had much more security last year at the time that ankle broke. He didn't have it. He did gamble. He did wager. And, hey, I've supported him every step of the way, but don't start acting like it's something that it wasn't, guys. (laughs) You did gamble, and you won, and don't act like you didn't. And I know he doesn't want to rub anyone's face in it, but you did gamble. And it worked out well.
2: Yeah, and he also talked about, Mike, that he owed it to other quarterbacks. He owed it to other NFL players to do what he did, to hold back, to not sign anything he didn't want to sign that Todd Francis' agent recommended he sign. So he waited. And he did gamble. And he did win. Despite the ankle injury in week five, he won on this, Mike. And he won really, really big. One of the best contracts in NFL history, I think you've called it. And, and so he did the right thing by him. And the injury didn't affect him at all.
1: It's not one of the best. It's the best. To have only four years of a commitment and to have the highest signing bonus, the highest one-year payout, $75 million, the highest full guarantee at signing, and to not have to tie yourself up for six years or maybe even longer, doing a six-year extension on a deal that has one year left. This is the best deal because it pays him more money than anyone's ever gotten at signing, and it lets him get back to the trough in four years or sooner. We talked about that yesterday. Probably we'll be back in three years because the clock will start ticking on the Cowboys once we get into the 2024 season, and once we get through that, he's free and clear. He can go wherever he wants to go. He And, and I, I want to address the issue that he owed it to other quarterbacks kirk cousins made that argument although a lot more clumsily a few years ago when justifying his refusal to accept a long-term deal from washington and there is a benefit to other players but let's not make this about altruism but baloney this is about capitalism And it's great that you can spin it with a straight face, if you're Dak Prescott, into saying, I'm doing other quarterbacks a favor. And in a roundabout way, that's a slap at the Tom Brady's of the world who don't stretch the rubber band as far as they can so others can come in behind that amount. Because think of what happens. What's happened with the Patriots and what surely is happening with the Buccaneers this year? Hey, Tom Brady's only making X. Who do you think you are? Why do you think you deserve a premium when the quarterback's not making a premium? Well, in Dallas, that argument's out the window. The Cowboys have given the quarterback a premium and all other quarterbacks are going to be looking for that same premium. So, yes, there's an incidental benefit to other quarterbacks, but come on. He, he I th- this is I'm, I'm getting irritated the more I hear about what he said today, because it's being characterized as something other than it is. It was a money grab. And that's fine. That's fine. And I guess you don't want to get to the press conference and say it was a money grab, but it was a money grab. And he also said it was never about the money, which is the ultimate proof that it was always about the money. And why shouldn't it be about the money? It's about getting compensated fully and completely for the risks you take, the sacrifices you make, and the abilities that you develop, you've got God-given abilities, that you're working to their maximum level, that's what you get paid for, that's what the fans are showing up to watch and paying their money to see, and that's what people are tuning in to see. So there's nothing wrong with that. But I, look, I, I, guess, I guess they spent some of the $160 million, Shireen, on a PR specialist who fed him a bunch of <laughs> crap to say today that doesn't mesh with reality.
2: Well, and, and he also said, I'm happy to be a cowboy for life. Well, that certainly isn't <laughs> what this is. Are you dying is. in four years? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That is, that is not at all what this, this is. This is to get back to the table in three years or, at worst, four years and get even more money. So there's nothing about being a cowboy to the end yet. Now, the greatest cowboys in NFL history only played for the cowboys in their NFL careers. I realized Danny White started out in the WFL. But the Danny Whites, the Tony Romos, Roger Staubach, Troy Aikman, they all spent their entire careers with the Cowboys. The Cowboys expect Dak Prescott to be there long term, to be there forever in his NFL career. But nothing is forever when you have a four-year deal, Mike. It's a four-year deal, period, end of story. He'll be back at the negotiating table soon enough.
1: Maybe he means metaphorical cowboy for life because only a true cowboy could pull off the kind of heist that he pulled off With the NFL's version of Black Bart and Jerry Jones, so maybe that's what he means. Because you're right, it's four more years maximum, and then they're going to have to do it again. So uh, it's it's it's. And again, I don't expect that he's going to disrespect Jerry Jones at this point. I don't expect that he's going to get up there and and brag and boast and crow. But let's let's just let's not pretend this is something other than what it is. It is exactly what it always was, and now he is a Cowboy for four years, and he'll make $160 million along the way. And, you know, Shereen, I want to get your thoughts on this. We talked yesterday just kind of in spitball fashion about Amari Cooper likely entering his last year yeah. with the Cowboys. I've looked at Ezekiel Elliott's contract over the next couple of years, and Sims and I talked about this today on PFT Live. Zeke's salary for next year, 2022, 12.8. Four million, I believe. That becomes fully guaranteed this month. Now, the $9.6 million that he's due to make this year is already fully guaranteed. There's nothing they can do about that. But what Zeke did with his contract, and this is the smart way to do the triggers for full guarantees, you don't wait until the year the money's going to be earned. You have the trigger the year before, which makes it harder to cut the guy. Because if they let him walk away now and avoid the 12-4 in 2022, They still owe him the 9-6 this year. That money's already vested. That vested at signing of the contract, or last year at this time at the latest. And the more Sims and I talked about it, and and I've been scouring the rosters, and I've been brainstorming, and I've been trying to find the one guy, the one guy who gets cut and possibly traded, but maybe cut, that we're going to say, holy crap, we, we never expected that. Sims thinks that Zeke could be the guy who gets the plug pulled on him. You got any thoughts on whether or not that happens this year? Not next year, but this year.
2: Yeah. Well, it's not going to be surprising to me if they do it. I will say this. I think they would go to him and try to tweak the contract, restructure the contract somehow, some way. And that very well could be done. I think they like Zeke. They like what he brings to the offense. They like the leadership that he showed last year. He was voted the good guy award because he really stepped up in Zach's absence uh, and filled in in that leadership role. So they saw a lot of growth in him over the last year. I don't think they're ready despite the salary, despite what it's going to be next year fully guaranteed if they don't do something here. But I would be – I think they would go and try to change his contract some way, Mike, before they cut him. And I will. I will. I said I wouldn't be surprised if he's cut. I think I will be surprised if he's cut this year. I won't be surprised if they tweak the contract some way.
1: Well, but if they go so to, him I changed my mind no, in the middle I, of that. I, but but he says no. I got nine point six million fully guaranteed oh. this year. You want to cut me? I'll go somewhere else. Now there'll be an offset obligation in there because I never heard there is. No offset, And when there is no offset language in a contract like this, it's big news when the contract comes out. It's hard to get a term like that. But if Dak or if Zeke, excuse me, would be cut this week at some point before next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, then, yeah, whatever he would make elsewhere this year, the Cowboys would get that dollar for dollar credit. And he'd, he'd essentially be playing for free this year because no one's going to pay him more than $9.6 million on the open market exactly. for this year. Um, So it's just something to keep an eye on. And another thing that occurred to me today, and and this is one of the problems with... and, And look, Jerry's been the GM of that team for over 30 years, so I guess you figure it out in time. But I feel like when you have ownership also running personnel and you start drafting really well, making good decisions about who to pick and develop those guys, and you have a coaching staff that gets the most out of them, I almost feel like... They are more compelled. They feel more obligated for their own pride, for their own vanity, for their own ego, to keep those guys. Just so they can continue to say, We found him, we drafted him, we developed him. And may that that does that, you know, because look at what they paid Amari Cooper after they gave up a first round pick to get him 20 million a year on a five-year deal. Look at what they paid Zeke when he held out. Look at what they're paying Dak. Now the problem is they waited too long to decide to pay him. Look at Demarcus Lawrence. I feel like at some level they they still need protection from themselves because these players that they've drafted and developed basically become trophies that they don't want to part with and you got to pay them to keep them
2: yeah they let Byron Jones go last year and i was actually kind of surprised that they let him go because he was their best corner mike and so, so i figured they would overpay to keep byron jones and they didn't, but we've seen it repeatedly with Jerry. He players he likes, and he thinks are really good, and are core group of players for him. He likes to keep them, and and they don't walk away very often when he when he really wants to keep them. He's never lost a player that he truly wanted to keep. They didn't have a, a, a salary like Demarco Murray. He said, "Hey, we're only playing Demarco Murray. This if he takes wants more than that, he can leave. But for players he truly wants to keep, he's never lost a guy." And so, you know, I wasn't surprised they got this Dak contract done, but it cost them, well, it cost them in Dak because they didn't get it done two years ago, but it cost them with other players. They shouldn't have given Zeke the the contract they gave him. They shouldn't give Amari the contract they gave him And at some point, Mike, they've always pushed money down the road, right? They restructured deals and pushed it down the road. At some point, that comes back to bite you a little bit. And maybe it has a little bit in the past, but at some point, they're going to get bitten by that.
1: They're pushing some more down the road. Our colleague Josh Alper texting during the show that Tyron Smith and Zach Martin and Lyle Collins all restructuring their contracts. That's presumably the simple restructuring that means you take the compensation from this year, turn a lot of it into a signing bonus, spread it out over multiple years. The only benefit from kicking cap dollars into future years, as the cap goes up, those dollars, relatively speaking, have less impact because dollar for dollar, percent by percent. They mean less because you've got more dollars you can spend. And this is the year a lot of teams are going to be kicking those dollars forward because the cap is down 15 million. And the Cowboys, by the way, saved 15.4 million. They In, in doing the deal with Dak and dropping his anticipated cap number from 37.6 to 22.2, they basically offset the drop in the salary cap just with that one contract, but they still have other business that they need to do. And they still continue to believe that they are the cream of the crop in a division that has largely been crap, especially last year. A sub-500 team won it. Both Stephen Jones and Dak Prescott said that they're absolutely the team to beat in the NFC East. And I don't expect anyone to say anything different than that this time of year. This is all about optimism, and the glass is half full, even if the glass is 90% empty. But the thing about the Cowboys in recent years, and yes, they've delivered from time to time, but it seems like every year on paper, they've got a potential championship team. And then when it's time to go play the games, something happens. Last year, I thought they were going to be the one seed in the NFC and they didn't even make it to the playoffs. So I don't put a whole lot of stock in the big talk. And I know it's for the benefit of fans who want to hear that stuff at a time of the year when games aren't being played, but... You know, we, we've seen it and heard it enough times. For me, it just goes in one ear and out the other, Shereen.
2: Yeah, and we still have a long way to go, Mike, and free agency in the draft. I mean, what's Washington going to do at quarterback? I mean, they could end up, if they get Deshaun Watson, do you not think they're going to be the favorites for the division? Certainly, they're probably going to be the favorites for the division going forward, so we'll see what happens. But let's, you know, like, look at the Cowboys since 95. We know that's the last time they went to the Super Bowl, last time they went to the NFC Championship game. Since then, they're 4-10 and ten in the postseason with 10 playoff appearances. So they've really struggled, Mike, in the postseason, getting to the postseason. Dak and his career is 1-2 in the postseason. So he has something to prove there if he's going to get more money the next time he goes to the negotiating table.
1: And the folks at PointsBet agree with the Cowboys. They are the team to beat minus-105 favorite. Got to bet $105 to win 100 Everyone else is in plus territory. But that's the way it is every year. There's still that that shine on the helmet, the silver helmet with the blue star. It's America's team, and that's always going to make people view the Cowboys differently. There's always going to be a greater sense of anticipation, and there'll be a full slate of primetime games for the Cowboys this year, and they know they'll have Dak Prescott this year and for At least three more years beyond that. The question is, how many more years beyond that will it go? And you make a great point. Deshaun Watson could end up being in Washington. The Eagles could take a quarterback with the sixth overall pick, who ends up being great. The Giants, who knows what they're going to do in free agency. There's too much that still has to happen between now and week one of the regular season. And then the factor that always affects how a season goes, it's injury. We know they're going to happen. We just don't know when to whom and for how long the guy is going to be out but the Cowboys season down the crapper last year once Dak Prescott broke his ankle well I'm not saying it could happen to him again I don't like to name names because I don't want to be accused of jinxing anyone but all it takes is one key injury and everything changes I remember the year when the 49ers played the Buccaneers I think it was 97 were you on the Bucs beat then 97. I was on the Bucks bait then. It was 97. Remember? Seven, yes. Was it 97 when Warren Sapp grabs Jerry yep. Rice's face mask while Rice is running in reverse, tears yes. his ACL? First game of the and year, and that's that. And that and that changes everything. That was back when Jerry Rice still had a lot of gas in the tank. That changes everything at that point. For the it just gives you a different feel. So you never know when that's yeah. going to happen. That's part of this too. But this is the again, this is the time of year where you want you want everyone to be excited and optimistic, and we'll worry about. Wins and losses when September, October, November, and December roll around. I still think the Cowboys can be very good. I'm fascinated to see what they do in Mike McCarthy's second year. You know, for as much as we'd like to say now that the Prescotts, uh, the pressure is on Dak Prescott, or the Prescott's on Dak Pressure, either way, they both work. Yeah, the pressure's <laughs> on Dak Prescott. The pressure's on Mike McCarthy in year two. It's not like they're going to fire him after two years, but his his broader legacy was undermined by the way he coached last year. If he does have Dak fully healthy this year, wire to wire with that $40 million a year contract, and he can't get it done, it's going to be another giant black mark on the resume of Mike McCarthy, Shireen.
2: Yeah, and you look at all the coaches, Mike, who have won Super Bowls and gone elsewhere. Jimmy Johnson goes to Miami. Uh, Seifert goes to Carolina. All those guys. We had a ton of guys that moved around to second teams after they won a Super Bowl. Even Tom Flores, I mean, he almost didn't get in the Hall of Fame. Because what he did in Seattle, his record was so bad. So when you go to that second team, it hasn't been done very often where you can produce. And this is Mike McCarthy's chance to show he can produce. But, I, you know, I don't know how long they're going to give him in Dallas. Jerry doesn't like paying coaches off. We know that. I think he does get beyond this season. But if they don't get in the playoffs this season, I think he's really going to be on the hot seat going into 2022. He's going to have to produce something or they're probably going to move on to somebody else. As Stephen pointed out, Jerry's not getting any younger and he only has a certain number of years. We don't know how long that is, but he's in his upper set what is he 78 now? So, you know, he's getting up there where he needs to win another Super Bowl if he's going to do it in his lifetime.
1: Watch that guy live to be 98 and and ultimately <laughs> win three or four more Super Bowls. But but you know, that's been a common theme in recent years. I remember when Tony Romo, Tony Romo on the bus right about the time they unveiled yeah. the thing, in Indian, somewhere he was on the bus and he was joking with Jerry, and he said, and I think Jerry told the story during one of his sessions on the bus in indianapolis where all the reporters come on and hang out with them and maybe he maybe he spikes the punch with johnny walker or blue but you know he said that tony said i only got about four years left and jerry you only got about four years left and uh you know jerry's been yeah. a good sport about that reality but there is an urgency there and we'll see if the cowboys can get any closer to something they haven't done since 1995 win the super bowl and also haven't been back to the NFC championship game since 1995 let's take a break when we return the salary cap is been set. Compensatory picks have been announced. Just some of the housekeeping as we prepare for the official start of the new league year one week from today. More PFTPM right after this. The impact of the pandemic becoming as tangible as it could possibly be today with the NFL announcing the salary cap will be one hundred and eighty-two point five million dollars per team. That is a drop of fifteen point seven million from what it was last year at one ninety-eight point two. But it's even more significant than that Shireen, because the drop is just half of it. A year ago, before we knew about the pandemic, before we had any idea what it was going to do, we would have expected another, let's say, just $10 million increase in the cap per team. If it's just $10 million, and usually it's a little more than that, that's $25.7 million per team, less than what they planned to have. See, that's why this is so problematic for the teams. You build your contracts year to year. You do your restructurings year to year with the assumption that the cap is going to keep going up. And it had been going up about $10 million per year every year. And then not only does it not go up, it drops by 15.7. You're talking about a huge cap loss from what you expected versus what you're going to have. So that's one of the big reasons why we've already seen a certain amount of players cut. We're going to see more and more as teams scramble to get under that cap by next Wednesday. They all have to be under 182.5, and some teams are going to have to do a little more heavy lifting than others to get there.
2: You know what the worst thing about this is, Mike? Y'all started this, the free agent top 100 list before I got here. So we update that thing, right? So I've already updated it two or three times today, throwing some of these names in here. And there are going to be more big names to come into this list as we go on. So this is going to be ongoing that we're going to have to update our free agent top 100 list because I have a feeling, Mike, it's going to change multiple times a day in the next few days.
1: You know that was the job that always went to the new person. It didn't even occur to me that that that, that, that Miles exactly. Simmons should have ended up with that obligation this year. <laughs> maybe maybe that'll be his job next year. But uh, yeah, this year. Here's another reason why the cuts are going to be so significant. And it's going to hit the middle class of player. And that's what we've already seen. And we, we, we saw this coming. The stars are always going to get their money. The rookies and the guys operating under rookie contracts are always going to get their money because it's locked in. It's baked into the CBA as to what they're going to make. Oh, and it's not that much money relative to the other players. It's the veterans in the middle who are going to be squeezed. And, Shereen, I firmly believe as veterans get cut by other teams— and as free agents who hit the market next week officially and realize that the money that they thought was going to be there, the money they deluded themselves into thinking would be available isn't, that's when the price is going to drop. You're going to be able to get these guys cheaper than anyone has ever been able to sign veterans on the open market. And what that's going to cause, I believe, teams to do. Now, whether they act on it's a different issue. But what it's going to cause teams to do is explore who's out there and how much they could sign them for. Compare that to veteran contracts that were set in stone that they had no intention of messing with, either squeezing the player to take less money or cutting the player. You're going to have, I believe, a, a delayed reaction here, a second wave where teams go to veteran players who otherwise would have been completely safe and say, you know, we got a guy out here that we can get for $5 million this year, and we're paying you 10 So... Uh, you know, you can either take six or we're just going to sign this other guy for five. You let us know what you want to do. Now, that is a very basic example, but that, that's how it works. And and I'm convinced we're going to see guys that we thought were safe and guys who thought they were safe, who are on the roster first day of the league year. Hey, I didn't get the, the axe as the team tried to get under the salary cap. No, but the team's able to go out and get some guys cheap and they're taking your jobs. And that, that dynamic to that extent. I don't think we've ever seen before, and it's going to really create some issues, and it's going to create some unemployment that we didn't expect when uh, the league year officially begins.
2: Yeah, and two thoughts on that, Mike. We've used Adama Kansu as an example on this, as a guy who's going to have to take less money. I'm interested to see how many players just go, it's not worth my time, I'm going to retire, or... It's not worth my time right now. I don't want to go tr- to training camp. I hate training camp. I'm going to skip training camp, and I'm going to wait until some guys injured, and maybe my price goes up. But at least I don't have to go to training camp. I think we might have some of those guys too, Mike. Some of the big name guys that just wait and and play out, let it play out over training camp, and come in maybe that first week of the season or last week of training camp, or however that plays out. But but later. And I also think you're going to have guys like Tom Brady, and Dak Prescott was asked about it too, about recruiting these guys to come play for him. You're going to go to a place where you want to win a championship, most guys are, if, if the money is equal, right? And so there's well, going go to be, Dallas, again, then? we saw it with – well, exactly. You're going to go to a place like Tampa if you get the chance. I agree with you. Yes. So you're going to go to a place like Tampa, Mike, if you get the opportunity or Kansas City. So those guys, you may see a lot of those big names go to those teams at some point. We saw with the Bucks this year, right? With Leonard Fournette and some of those guys that signed right before the season or once the season began, AB, all of those guys.
1: Dan Patrick asked me an interesting question today. I was on his show, which is on after PFT Live on Peacock every weekday. What if Tom Brady goes to the Buccaneers and says, you know what, forget about contract restructuring, extension, whatever. I'll just take the bare minimum salary this year. I'll do what Drew Brees did. When we thought Drew Brees was setting up his retirement, and we still think that was a setup to go from 25 to 1.075, that's the minimum for someone with seven or more years of service, no strings attached, no quid pro quo, just handing the team $23.925 in cap space. What if Tom Brady would do that? And Look, he's made his money. You give the team that much, just here it is. Here's a gift. Nothing stops him from doing it. And uh, that that would – and that's the flip side of what Dak Prescott was saying today about having an obligation to help other quarterbacks. Think about what that would do for other teams in their negotiations with quarterbacks and what it would do to the Buccaneers as they try to negotiate with Shaq Barrett. If Shaq Barrett is making a moonshot for his contract, he wants to break the bank, and Tom Brady's voluntarily going from 25 down to 1.075, it creates a little pressure – on a guy to not be perceived as greedy and to take a responsible amount of the cap surplus that's left over. Now, I think the chances of that happening are slim. But with Tom Brady, I mean, it's not like he needs the money. He's just, he's just trying to expand his legacy to unprecedented heights. And what way to add to your overall mystique and legend than to say... I really don't care about the money at this point. Pay me 1.075 million, take the rest of that money and keep all the guys that we need to try to win another Super Bowl.
2: That would be incredible. And I guarantee you right now, I might go to Vegas and put some money down on the bucks if that happens, because they would be able to sign pretty much whoever they wanted, right? They'd be even better. I think, I think they're going to be better anyway, but even better than what they are on, on paper, what they were this year. So, Mike, that would be unbelievable for that to happen. And if for Drew Brees to pay, play for that too, if he decides he's not going to retire and is going to play for $1 million, either one of those scenarios to me would just be incredible.
1: And, and think about it. The Saints need it far more than the Buccaneers do. If Drew Brees yeah, says, I'm do. still going to play, and you only have to pay me $1.075 I don't care what's happened to his arm over the past five years. It's not like he ever had a howitzer anyway. You get Drew Brees for 1075000 million, you're going to take that and you're going to run with it. Speaking of the Saints, they're the ones who need to do the most work to get on the right side of the salary cap. They will be cutting Emmanuel Sanders and Quan Alexander. They have done restructurings with players like Cam Jordan, DeMario Davis. This will continue. Marshawn Lattimore could have his fifth-year option salary removed completely wiped off the books it's 10 million plus that creates 10 million cap space and you know what shereen what they could still do if they wanted to if marcus williams who was a surprise franchise tag recipient yesterday if he doesn't sign that they can remove it and if they get caught in a vice next week and they just can't crunch the numbers they just can't make it work no matter what they do the 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 gif from uh the hangover when he's you know it's like the brilliant mind a beautiful mind or whatever it is and all the math numbers are floating in the air if mickey loomis yeah. can't work it out you get an easy 10 million by simply saying to marcus williams oh you know about that franchise tag we're going to res- we're going to r- rescind it and uh either way they'll get there the question is what are they going to have once they get there you know they could use emmanuel sanders they they you know, there are other guys that they may be parting ways with that they could benefit from what are you going to have by way of a football team if you have to let too many of these guys go?
2: If you're Marcus Williams, Mike, do you go in there right now and sign the deal? Sign the franchise tag? Well,
1: uh, I, I'd be tempted to. Uh, what I, What I would do before I would sign the franchise tag is I would have my agent contact other teams that may be in the market for a safety and have that hypothetical market-gaging conversation if – for some reason, there were a franchise tag safety who had the franchise tag removed and was available next week. Hypothetically, what would you pay him? Again, that's tampering, but I'd want to know that. And if I thought I could do better on the open market, then I'd let them rescind it if they want to. But if I, if I have my agent make those inquiries, and I know that behind that door number two, there isn't a great payday... Then I'm jumping on that franchise tender amount. The the and the other reason I'd hesitate is, you know, Sean Payton's got that Bill Parcells in him, and I don't know that I'd want to be Marcus Williams gaming the system and hurting the Saints and keeping them from clearing that ten million because then you still got to deal with Payton the whole year, and I'm sure Payton would not let him forget <laughs> what he did to screw things up for the Saints and to keep them from having the players they wanted to have.
2: Yeah, you remember when Bill Parcells used to make the first-round draft pick, bring him water all the time. I remember Terrence Newman doing whenever he needed water, Parcells had him bring him water. That may be Marcus Williams all year bringing Sean Payton water for the entire year.
1: Now, I mentioned the Marshawn Lattimore fifth-year option. That can be yanked until the first day of the league year because for the 2017 draft picks, that's the last year that the fifth-year option, which must be exercised by May 3rd of the player's fourth season, to attack on that fifth season, it used to be injury-guaranteed only, and then it became fully guaranteed the first day of the league year of that fifth season. For the first time this year, and this is one of the tweaks that was made in last year's CBA, when that fifth-year option is exercised 29, or for the 2018 players, the Lamar Jacksons, the Josh Allens, the Sam Darnolds, once that's exercised, it's fully guaranteed, and Darnold is the guy that there's going to be the most speculation about. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? By the time we get to May 3rd, they'll know whether or not they have another quarterback. They may have traded him by then, and ideally you want to trade him by then because you want to give the new team the option to pick up the 5th year option or replace that with some sort of an extension of his contract. And uh, but that's the thing to keep in mind for the first time ever, that fifth year option. There's also different formulas based upon number of Pro Bowls, based upon other factors like that that can actually get you more. You can get the franchise tag amount if you make the Pro Bowl at least two times in your first three seasons for that fifth year option. But um, the the key is it's fully guaranteed at the moment. It's exercised. And that's going to create some complications for the Jets and for other teams, Shereen.
2: It absolutely is, Mike. And you look at two of the quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson and, and Josh Allen, and they have that 23.106. So they're in no-brainers. I mean, their teams are going to pick up the fifth-year option if they can't work out long-term deals uh, before next year. But other teams, I mean, you know, with Baker and especially with Darnold, there, there are decisions to make if they're still on the roster at that point. I think Baker gets a long-term deal at some point, so I think they pick up the fifth-year option with him. But I expect, Mike, Sam Darnold to be somewhere else. I don't think he's going to be with the Jets, to your point. I think they're going to draft a quarterback, and that's going to be their quarterback of the future, and they're going to move on from Sam Darnold. He'll be playing in San Francisco or elsewhere next season.
1: As Sim said last week when he unveiled his list of the top quarterbacks coming into the draft this year, Zach Wilson. If the Jaguars take Trevor Lawrence, the Jets should sprint to the podium and get Zach Wilson their best chance at a franchise quarterback since Joe Namath, and uh, that would make Sam Darnold a guy that they just simply shouldn't keep around, especially with a fully guaranteed salary for 2022 that would spike to $18.858 million. Also, compensatory Draft choices were announced today. The Patriots get the highest one, third round, 96th overall. They lost Tom Brady, Jamie Collins, and Kyle Van Noy among others, last year in the offseason. The compensatory picks are a reflection of free agents lost versus free agents gained. There's a window for the signing of the free agents to count toward the compensatory formula. And when you have net losses, and there's a lot of factors that go into it, not many people understand the formula, but you can get as much as a third-round compensatory draft pick. That's what the Patriots got. They'll get that 96th overall pick for uh, the, the, the losses they endured. The Cowboys have four compensatory picks that leads the league. They lost, among others, Byron Jones, mentioned him earlier in the show, and Robert Quinn. And four teams, the 49ers, the Rams, the Ravens, and the Saints, they're getting compensatory picks this year, not because of free agency losses, but this is the first year That when minority assistant coaches become head coaches or minority executives become general managers with other teams, that's when you get the compensatory pick. That is the incentive that the NFL has developed to give teams a reason to develop and make enticing and prepare for big jobs minority candidates who then get hired elsewhere, and it was the 49ers who had Martin Mayhew become the GM in Washington, Robert Sala, the head coach of the Jets. For the Ravens, it was David Cully becoming the head coach of the Houston Texans. He was the receivers coach there. For the Rams, it was Brad Holmes becoming the GM of the Lions, and for the Saints, it was Terry Fontenot becoming the GM of the Falcons. So those picks, those four compensatory picks, actually, is it... I, I know there was confusion about this. I can't remember how it was resolved. The 49ers will eventually get multiple picks because of losing multiple minority employees, Shireen. I don't know whether it's two this year they, or two next year. No.
2: They get I, and there was confusion. One this year.
1: One this right. year and how many next year? Two? One this
2: year. I think I I know. I think it's one for the next three years that they get. If I understand it okay. correctly, it's one for the next three years. But I know they initially, the NFL messed that up. They said the 49ers will get two. They've since have corrected it. The 49ers will get one this year.
1: All right. Some coaches spoke today as we get closer to the start of the new league year. When we come back, we'll let you hear what some of them had to say and react to the content when PFTPM continues right
0: And I'm really excited to coach Cam Newton. Yeah. Like you know, I, just getting to know him, being around him, seeing the way that he's rehab and the way he's taking this seriously. Um, I think I think if he does this right and we do this right, and his best football is ahead of him. And yeah. so, um, you know, I, I didn't know him before coming there, and I've I've really enjoyed my interactions with him. and So, you know. I have a job to do and it's not to start talking about like six months from now, it's about right now making sure that we get Cam healthy for this fall because if he's healthy there's really no questions about who he is or what he can do so just making sure that that's really our focus right now getting that in place but I felt like coming here I wanted to make sure people knew like I, I really want to coach this guy and I really like this yeah. guy and um, I, I really like the way he's approaching his rehab and the way he's doing things.
1: Excellent find, excellent recall by whoever pulled that up, because that's an example of the reality that this time of year, things are not what they seem. Things that are said by coaches, general managers and owners may not necessarily be the truth. That was Matt Rule at the Scouting Combine in February of 2020 before the world turned upside down. What they were doing here, he mentioned here, that was Indianapolis. They were trying to trade Cam Newton. So you got to sell the idea that you want Cam Newton in order to maximize whatever you get for Cam Newton. Everyone saw through it. Nobody believed they were going to keep Cam Newton and nobody offered them anything. And they eventually had to cut Cam Newton. And he obviously eventually landed with the New England Patriots, Shireen. So that's a prime example. Anytime anyone says to me, why do you think everybody's lying? Because they do. And that's a prime example of it.
2: Lips move lies come out right I mean they say what they have to say at the time that they say it so it is the truth at the time they say it so just like Matt Rule said today Teddy Bridgewater is our quarterback you don't necessarily have to believe that Mike
1: and it is the truth that Shireen tells when she says that he said it (laughs) whether or not it's the truth when he said it we'll let you decide here he is from earlier today
0: you know, Teddy, Teddy's a tremendous professional and tremendous, Teddy's a tremendous person. And so, um, you know, he, I think he, he, I can't speak for him. I think he's controlling what he can control and um, he's having a great off season. I'm sure. I can't wait to get him back here. And I think he's um, determined to play his best football next year. Um, as far as where he stands with us, I mean, he, he's our quarterback and uh, you know, nothing's, you know, nothing's changed since the end of the off season. Um, you know, it's really, really not much to add from where we started, you know, last, you know, at the end of the year, you know, Teddy's uh, like I said, he's a true professional. I don't, uh, he didn't unfollow me. (laughs) You know I mean? I think he's he's just at a, uh, I wouldn't read too much into anything. You know, I I think, you know, he's in a moment right now where he's just kind of controlling what he can control, uh, focusing on himself, focusing on his family. And um, I know he'll, uh, I know he's when he gets back here, he'll, he'll, he'll be ready to go.
1: Yeah. When he gets back here uh mm-hmm. it, it, it's so jarring when you see that the same guy telling tales about Teddy Bridgewater and he's our quarterback just seconds after we replayed what he said last year about Cam Newton and we've seen the reports and they haven't denied them they tried to get Matthew Stafford they'd like to get Deshaun Watson they're clearly looking for a franchise quarterback now yes Teddy is our quarterback until we get somebody else but that's clearly where this is heading and again it's a must-lie situation you can't have Matt Rule get in front of a microphone get at a podium talk to reporters and say man I can't when when are we gonna god I can't wait to get rid of this guy no because you have to account for the possibility you're not going to find somebody that you can embrace as your next franchise quarterback but it just underscores the fact this time of year especially don't believe anything that a coach, a GM, or an owner says, chances are the exact opposite is the truth.
2: (laughs) 2015, Mike, was the last time the Panthers had franchise quarterback type play, and that was Cam Newton when he had his MVP season. It's been a long time since then, and they have said that they are going to get a franchise quarterback I believe they're going to get a franchise quarterback, and I believe it's going to be this year. And if it's not Deshaun Watson, I think they either trade up or sit there and wait and see if one of those quarterbacks falls to them. But I think they end up with a quarterback in this draft if they don't get Deshaun Watson. And right now the Texans obviously are saying we're not trading Deshaun Watson, so we'll see how that plays out. But I do not expect Teddy Bridgewater to be this team's quarterback I noticed Matt Rule didn't say, like he did about Cam, that his best years are in front of him. Hey, he did say some positive things, but he didn't say that. So I think they're going to move on for Teddy Bridgewater. He'll be somewhere else next year, Mike.
1: $17 million salary. He's got some guaranteed money in there as well. There would be a cap charge of $10 million if they trade him they gave him a three-year 66 million dollar contract last year and that surprised a lot of people and they decided after only one year he's not the answer although i don't think it was bad i don't think it was horrible and they had most of the year without christian mccaffrey so they saw something that they decided means that teddy bridgewater isn't the guy so it will be someone else the question is how will they make that happen what is their bar for getting the guy that they think will be their quarterback Franchise quarterback moving forward—that's the challenge for Washington as well. Ron Rivera met with the media. Here's what he had to say about Washington's attempt to get their own franchise quarterback. Well, the biggest thing, guys, is we're going to continue to look. We're, we're, we're going through this process. You know, our agency starts next week. The draft is in a, in, in 50 days. I understand. So, uh you know, we still have time, and, and we're going to continue to, to 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 explore all the options that are out there. I, I think you know, you guys, I get it. You guys want answers, but we don't have answers for you right now because uh,
0: we're still working through the process. Again, we've got a lot of time, you know, with re-agency
1: next week and the draft in 50 days. It's amazing. The draft is only 50 days away, but yeah, they are looking at their options. We know they're not going to have Alex Smith. They've got Kyle Allen who we kind of forget about because he was injured most of last year. They have Taylor Heineke. We don't expect him to be the starting quarterback, but, yeah, they, they they have a chance to to try to get somebody who will be their long-term answer, whether it's via trade, free agency. There aren't many options that are going to be available. And then the draft is the last-ditch uh, scenario. But they're, they're still smarting, I assume, from using the 15th overall pick two years ago on Dwayne Haskins, who is now a member of the Steelers because the Washington football team gave up on him. But, you know, Shereen, hey, I, I've said this all the time. There's three types of teams in the NFL. Teams that have franchise quarterbacks and know it, teams that don't have franchise quarterbacks and are desperately searching for franchise quarterbacks. And then the third category is the team that has a quarterback and they're not quite sure whether or not it's a franchise quarterback. So they're going to give him some more time. Washington is clearly in category number two. They don't have a franchise quarterback. So you, 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 when you don't have one, you're trying to find one. You may not find one right away, but you're always looking for the opportunity to get one.
2: Well, and that's the thing. Ron Rivera said, We're not desperate to do it. So if they don't find that guy this year, I think they're perfectly fine with playing Kyle Allen and Taylor Heineke, knowing that they are building toward the future. They're probably not going to win the Super Bowl this year, and I think Ron Rivera knows that, but he's building the organization, building the program, and once you get that franchise quarterback, whatever year it is, then you're set. So they're kind of building around that franchise quarterback that they don't yet have. I think this is a really good team absent the franchise quarterback, and they may not get that guy this year. We'll see how the draft plays out. We'll see – how the trades play out, especially with Deshaun Watson. If, if they can possibly get in on that deal, maybe maybe he ends up in Washington. But if they don't get that guy this year, Mike, and I'm not positive they will get that guy, I think they're okay with playing those other two guys.
1: Jerry Jones needs $75 million to pay to Dak Prescott this year. He has a plan for raising some of that money. We'll explain that when PFTPM continues right after this.
0: Now we're going to Oxnard. We're going to have training camp. We're going to do it safe. And we're going to have that stadium full. And we're going to do it safe. We had the most out there last year. We're going to do it safe.
1: Yes, full stadium for the Dallas Cowboys issue. Not a surprise. Texas lifted all restrictions, right, Shireen? No attendance limits. No mask requirements. Uh, one of the baseball teams is going to have full stadium. So, uh, look... We're getting closer and closer to beating this thing. I feel like I'm going to jinx us by saying it, but I think a lot of people are believing by Memorial Day and at a minimum between Memorial Day and Labor Day, we're going to get to the point where the tide turns and by football season, there will be a full stadium in Dallas and elsewhere. The question is, some of these states where they've been very careful for political reasons and, and because the pandemic has run rampant through the state, Will they open the gates completely and fully? California, New York, Massachusetts, will those states embrace it? The NFL is surely hoping that all stadiums are full so they can make back the money that they lost last year and fill those stadiums and get the salary cap moving upward again.
2: Yeah, Mike, we had 1.2 million fans, I think, at NFL games this year. The Cowboys had 229,000 of that. They had the most of any team. Almost a quarter uh, of the NFL attendance was the Cowboys. They do expect full attendance this year. The Texas Rangers became the first team, their neighbor right across the street, became the first pro team to announce today that they're going to have a full house. At their home opener, they will have full capacity crowds. So the Cowboys certainly expect that today. Uh, all restrictions in Texas were lifted mass, no mask. It's up to the businesses to uh, to determine what they want to do at each individual business. Now, the Rangers are making people mask up, but good luck with that, Mike. So I did <laughs> like there was a fan on the Internet who who used that quote of Jerry kept saying safely and safety and safely and safety. And they said now that he knows the word safety, maybe they'll go out and get him one this year.
1: Yeah that's good. I like that very much. And <laughs> hey, I the, the the key is people need to get vaccinated when you get the opportunity. I'm getting mine yes. tomorrow and I'm happy to do it. I you know, we're always Kind of, you know, we get a little skittish about something being shot into our body and they make us sign a waiver and they tell us all the risks. I mean, but think about the stuff that we eat and drink. I mean, my goodness, it can't it can't be as bad as a hot dog. Getting a vaccine <laughs> has to be safer than eating an average hot dog. No offense to anyone out there who's in the hot dog selling business, but that's what we need to understand. The more we do it, the safer safer we can be. You can congregate with family. I mean, we're looking forward to having family over again. Once we get everybody vaccinated we're close to getting it done. So I'm looking forward to it, Shereen, And I'm looking forward to having full stadiums. I'm looking forward to having something that feels like a normal life again. It's been so long. I don't know how it's going to feel. It's not going to feel normal.
2: It's weird. Combine was the last time I traveled. That's more than a year ago. I and mean, the last time we talked to Jerry in person a year ago, it's just been, it's been strange. It's been a strange year and hopefully we can get a new normal here soon.
1: Speaking of strange, before we go, where do you stand on this disgusting habit of Chris Sims of pouring liquid into a trash can? I've been meaning to ask you that all show. Oh, I don't gross. know if you saw that today on PFT yeah, Live. He, it's just no. water, but he pours it into a trash can. And then he couldn't find the trash can that's today. It. I wonder why he can't find the trash can in the studio. They finally realized we got to get this thing out of here or Sims is going to pour more water in it.
2: <laughs> and it gets heavy when it has that water in there.
1: And the bags are not as leak-proof as you would think. That's it. On that note, we're done. See you tomorrow. Have a great evening.